right. Hello and welcome to another episode of Talking Ship with John the Chipley. Uh, my guest this week, I'm very happy to have Danny Lydia. Hi. Hello. Uh, I actually met Danny, uh, and I, I am pronouncing that correct, right? Yes. Okay. I just, I just want to make sure I don't want to butcher the entire episode. <laughs> no, you're fine. I, I met you at my first open uh, mic that I did uh, for Shameless Grounds, um, and that is one that you host, correct? Yes, I uh, host uh, that queer comedy mic at, well, I did when, you know, the apocalypse wasn't happening, um, but hopefully when it's over, I'll, be, I'll go back to co-hosting alongside um, Charlie Myers. Um, they are um, another um, transgender comedian, very funny, and we both host uh, that queer comedy mic. We give a uh, priority to LGBT performers and encourage our allies to participate as well. It's a really fun time. Oh, I had a blast doing it. Um, I was really super nervous going in, but yeah, Shameless has a really great crowd. Like everyone was like super supportive and right. uh, really took the edge off. So that was a great place to start. <laughs> we, we were happy to have you. And um we, we're just always excited to see new people come to the stage and perform. Cause I mean, I'm still technically new. I've only been in comedy for a year. So I'm still technically, you know, like a rookie, a newbie. Um, but it's, it's pretty awesome when you've only been doing this a year and you're already running, you know, your own mic uh, once a month, you know, when civilization is, you know, still running. <laughs> so it's it's been a lot of fun though. I've had um, an absolute blast working with uh, Charlie and Trey Sanchez. Um, the two of them are just like two of the loveliest people to work with, and it's been it's been great. So can't wait to see you again there when I opens back up. Can't wait for that. You know, getting back to civilization, actually doing open mic on a stage with a mic. <laughs> None of this uh, back and forth over the internet. But, right, uh, exactly. So you said you've been doing this for a year. Uh, what got you into it in the first place? Like, uh, what, what pulled you into comedy? Um, so my background is actually more in theater. I've been doing theater all my life. Um, started when I was a teenager and um, got my BFA in theater performance um, at University of Central Missouri. Um, totally useful degree. That's why I'm, you know, financially stable and have, I'm kidding. Uh, it's, it was. You're preaching in the choir. I know, right? No, I, I don't regret getting, uh, my BFA in theater performance. Um, I learned so much, not just about, uh, myself as an actress, as a performer, but they taught us uh, so many lessons that I think anyone can take with them, um, no matter what um, career you pursue. And um, my, I've always loved performing, I've always loved storytelling, and I've always loved comedy, but I never thought of myself as like able to do comedy. Um, and I think that's, um, I think that's because I wasn't comfortable talking about really personal and really um, 
uh, vulnerable issues about, uh, or vulnerable, vulnerable uh, I can't talk, vulnerable parts about my life um, at the time, uh, because this was before my transition, but then after I began my transition um, almost three years ago, I um, went through um, some really, um, some really difficult um, circumstances and times. And I thought to myself after uh, going through um, a little bit of a, a little bit of trauma, uh, which, you know, we'll save for another time. Um, I thought to myself, I need to get back into performance somehow and, you know, do what I can. And, you know, find a way to take my mind off of things. And so I started going to this place called the Stone Spiral. Um, and it's a coffee shop in Maplewood. Really cool place. Not the best place to do comedy. Um, it's more for mu uh, musicians and poets. So I started telling some hacky jokes about being a trans woman and you know, it, it was more just like, you know, stuff like, uh, like, tee hee, I need money to go to build a beaver workshop, haha. <laughs> it, it was just stuff that was very early on in my comedy career that I no longer tell those jokes. And um, at the Stone Spiral, I met uh, two really amazing comedians on the comedy scene, um, Ella Fritz and Casey Paulson. Uh, they came uh, to the Stone Spiral one night, they saw me perform, they, and then they performed, and I was just blown away by both of them, and then they came up to me and were like, you're really funny, you should come with us uh, to the Crow's Nest, there's an open mic there, I went there, I met um, a lot of amazing comedians there, like uh, Steve Beatty, uh, JC Sabala, Chris Sear, um, and that was kind of like my first open mic. And then from there, I just kept coming back, um, coming up with new jokes that were still pretty hacky about being a trans woman. Um, but then after a month of doing open mics, I did, um, uh, during which I did a mic at the Heavy Anchor. I love the Heavy Anchor. I love the heavy anger. Oh my God. They, I cannot wait until I think that's probably the first place I'm going. Like once everything reopens, uh, like, uh, and I will plug the heavy anger right now. If anyone who listens to this has not been there when civilization, uh, opens back up, go visit Josh and Jody Timbrook. They are amazing. Such a great place. It's so I did, um, go what? Go ahead. Oh, no, good job. Um, oh, no, no, you're fine. Um, I, so anyway, uh, Chad Wallace, the, the host of the Shipwreck Comedy Mic, um, he invited me to the Heavy Anchor. I did the mic. And then Josh and Jody asked me if I wanted to be in The Future's Female, which is an all-female uh, comedy show. And I was just really blown away. I'm like, what? Like, you want to book me for a show? Like, I've only been doing this a month. And... Um, that was my first show, and I got to perform with, um, uh, Angela Smith, um, Jamie Fritz, um, Emily Hickner, I'm trying to remember who else was in that lineup, um, just a, a lot of incredible, um, a lot of incredible female comedians, 
and um, and since then I've done um, like over a dozen shows around uh, the St. Louis area. I've done a few in Kansas City, um, and I've just been having a blast. Like I, you know, not only um, do I get to put my useless theater degree to good use, but I found a really um, incredible family unit um, in the comedy scene. Like everybody's just been so loving and support and supportive, and uh, they came into my life like at the exact right time when I you know needed that. So it's been a very emotional <laughs> experience for me, but I've, I've absolutely uh, loved it. It's it's been great. Kind of touching on a few things that you mentioned. Um, you talked about how you started comedy at a point in your life where it was uh, things were kind of up in the air and it was very hectic. Um, very, uh, well, I'm not, I'm not going to put words in your mouth like traumatic or anything, but just uh, a harder point in your life. Um, when I spoke to Lisa about this uh, for my first episode, uh, we talked about how a lot of comedians joke that, oh, you know, when you're up on stage, this is like, oh, it's, hey, it's cheap therapy, you know? you know, uh, and how we're all kind of making jokes about personal issues in lieu of actually seeking professional help on them. And I think there's a little bit of truth to that. I think that um, a lot of the funniest people that you come across are the ones who have gone through the most um, because we're able to kind of take that dark point in your life or that part that uh, really kind of uh, causes you stress and polish it and, you know, find something funny in it. Uh, or at least, you know, a little self-deprecating humor from it. But, uh, no, um, you mentioned how for your first show, um, you bumped into other comedians who asked you to, you know, come to uh, do their shows and, hey, you should check out this open mic. I actually had that happen at uh, Shameless. Um, yeah, after I uh, went on, uh, Lisa pulled me aside, uh, Lisa Andrus, and was like, hey, you know, I really liked, uh, you know, I can't believe that was your first time. I really liked it. Would you like to uh, come do my open mic at Backdoor? And so, you know, that was the kind of uh, confidence boost I needed to kind of keep at it, so. Lisa Andrus is an absolute sweetheart. I, I, oh, I love that. Lisa. <laughs> Oh, she's my comedy mom. She she is my comedy mom. Or no, I think we, um, the last Zoom uh, meeting we had where we were uh, hanging out in Zoom, I think we called her the Zarina of menopause or something. <laughs> I mean, she absolutely loved that. Like, she's just someone you can always joke with and she's just so sweet and so supportive and she always has been towards me. and. Um, like that that sounds very much like her that she would you know come up to someone who's very new in comedy and you know like tell them like you should do like kind of give them the blueprint of like like okay you want to keep uh keep going with this do you go here and here and here and that's that's uh definitely something i can see lisa doing she's amazing like that she, she did uh i kind of made backdoor my home for a couple months uh doing their open mic on tuesday but when that kind of fell through, she was like, I was like, hey, I don't really know where to go from here. I know there's a bunch of old mics in the area, but I'm still inexperienced. She's like, no, you need to go to Heavy Anchor. You need to go to Apotheosis. 
you know, she kind of like told me every night where everything was and it was just super helpful. Yeah. Oh, she's, she's amazing. She really is. So, um, one thing I wanted to ask, uh, like I mentioned how a lot of us kind of joke about, uh, you know, your personal life, how much of your personal life kind of bleeds into your comedy? I would say a lot of it. Cause I, um, almost all of it is personal stuff. Like it's, um, you know, a lot of it is about the struggles of, you know, like being a trans woman in the same age or just a trans person in general. Um, you know, cause I, I mean, I don't, you know, I don't want to go up there and say like, I have the hardest cause I actually don't like when it comes to trans people, I, I'm a binary straight trans woman. I've got the best deal of any trans person and it's still, a pretty shit deal like it's you know i i know how much harder it is for um other um other um trans identities or gender identities and it's um i but i talk a lot about about that because that is a lot of what you know that's just going to be an ongoing process uh in my life I also talk a lot about struggling with mental illness and, um, and I actually uh, do have uh, professional help for that, but then um, comedy is kind of like my cheap um, version of therapy, like you said, and sometimes. Uh, you're kind of cutting out here. Sorry. There we go. Uh, someone was just trying to call me on my phone. Um, oh, you're uh, popular. Rude. And, um, but anyway, I, um, I do see a psychiatrist and a counselor, uh, that should give you an indication of just like how messed up I am that I have to see both. Um, and, um, I talk a lot about struggling with mental illness, which I know is a very typical thing to talk about because, you know, a, a lot of comedians struggle, uh, struggle with that. I mean, you hear that topic from from so many comedians, but I'm trying to find a way to add the lens uh, of, you know, struggling with mental illness as a trans woman, because not all my um, mental and emotional issues um, stem from my transition, but a, a lot of them do, not all of them. Um, and then I try to, I've been trying to branch out and talk about like other, um, other topics, um, like customer service horror stories, but I don't have that much material for those. Like my, my talking points mostly are about my transition and my struggle with, um, mental illness. And, um, I, I think that there's, a, those are deep enough wells that I can draw, um, draw a lot from those wells, but, um, you know, it's still my first year in comedy or I'm on year two now. So, um, I think there, um, I think I will definitely find other wells from which to draw, um, during this time. I don't think I can really talk as much about, uh, sexuality and gender identity, at least in most crowds. Um, being a bi non-binary uh try to say it with most crowds and it comes off like a math equation so <laughs> i like that that's funny no i i think you could though that's absolutely i think um i think especially in comedy um 
you know, there, there just aren't that many transgender comedians and definitely not that many non-binary uh, comedians. And I think that um, it would be great to see more non-binary uh, representation in comedy because um, it, it's like I said before, like, I know I've got the best uh, deal as a trans person. Like, I know a lot of, it's easier for a lot of people to understand like my identity as opposed to like, I know how hard it is for so many non-binary people. And I think the more um, exposure and the more um, um, represented uh, non-binary people are, I think that'll just make it easier for people to understand um, you know, what they, uh, identify as and how they, uh, how they identify. So I think it would be great <laughs> for you to talk about that in your comedy. I, I would love to see that. Um, I, it's still something new to me. Um, it's, I mean, it's something that I've always known, but I've never had a partner that really, uh, embraced it and let me kind of express that. My fiance has been super great about it though. And, uh, really has, uh, <laughs> pushed me to be myself and for the first time in ever. I didn't know you were engaged. Yeah, that's a new thing. I didn't know that. That's awesome. That's great. Yeah. That's great. Oh, how long have you been engaged? Uh, couple months. Uh, fuck, was it April now? Two months? So, oh, yeah. Right before the world fell apart. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's so romantic. No, I'm joking. But that's I'm that's so great. That's awesome. Um I I think I think I would really love to see um more people talk about that. And I think that's one of the great things about the um um that queer comedy mic. You know, it's not just about I mean, we're we're trying to show that um the queer experience is like the furthest thing from monolithic. I mean, and and all the different experiences, like when someone says uh, transgender, like that's, you know, also the furthest thing from uh, monolithic. And I want, you know, people, um, you know, to understand like all the different types of trans people that there are. And also I really want that show to be a way to um, also bring a lot of unity to not only the queer community and um, cis and straight people, but also just the queer community itself, because I'm sure you know, there's a lot of infighting uh, in the queer community. Yeah, yeah. Just, yeah, just a I bit. mean, I, I like to joke, like I'm a straight binary trans woman and I love being part of the problem, like as a joke, because I know like, that there's a lot of, I'm sure you're familiar with ContraPoints. Um, on, yes, I, I actually watch ContraPoints. I um, love ContraPoints. And I know that she has gotten so much like flack from other trans it, people. Didn't she and, get flack for uh, interviewing uh, Buck Angel? Or have, no, have, yes. having Buck Angel do a, uh, a quote. A 12 second quote and then like every non-binary person is like she hates non-binary people and i'm like no she doesn't and and also furthermore as much as i disagree with buck angel's like alleged views you know like on uh like trans medicalism everything like that um and um i i think that people also need to remember and i think 
Um, Natalie Wynn brings up a great point that even though his views might be a little obsolete uh, nowadays, he did do a lot uh, for trans visibility, you know, way back in the day. Like, you know, there's a lot to thank him for, for giving us a voice uh, when we had no voice. And, you know, it, it would be great if people could get through to him and say like, hey, dude, that's not really cool. Like, you know, you don't have to have a diagnosis to be, you know, like legitimately trans and, you know, but I think there's I think just so much infighting and so much reactionism. And I really want that queer comedy might to um, kind of, um, I, I really want to combat that because this is not a time where we need to be fighting each other. We need to be like supporting each other and, you know, trying to make those connections, even if we disagree. So speaking of that, um, I don't know if you know this in particular, but uh, Lisa brought it up to me uh, the first time I did comedy at Backdoor. Uh, she's like, oh, hey, did you did you see the review on that queer comedy? Uh, <laughs> did you see that? Yes, I did. I I, I I love that uh, one of the comments was about how uh, how transphobic some of the comedy was and whatnot. And I'm thinking I'm thinking to myself because I I didn't miss much of it. I went to the bathroom like once, but I don't remember a lot of transphobic comedy. And the only ones that really brought it up, from what I remember, were trans people themselves. So I'm like, people are just joking about their experiences. So. I don't, I don't get what the uh, issue was. Man, okay, so here's the thing. I, you know, it's, it's an open mic, so not everybody's going to agree with everything they hear. And uh, I actually want to reference um, one of my favorite comics on the uh, comedy scene, uh, Rafe Williams. He is one of the hosts of um, uh, the Improv Shop, and he says every mic, um, you know, like we, um, I, I can't remember it verbatim, but every mic he says, you know, like, you know, someone might get up here and say something you completely disagree with. And, you know, while we do not tolerate, you know, such and such language, um, if you don't like something that someone says, just rest assured that, uh, you know, rest assured in four minutes, someone else is going to get up on stage and say something. You're like, oh, hell yeah, that's great. You know, he says something along the lines of that. And that is so, and that's exactly what an open mic is. And while Charlie and I try to tell people, you know, we do do the disclaimer, like, obviously we do not tolerate like racist or homophobic or misogynistic, right. any hateful language under the sun. We don't tolerate that, but apparently that's not enough because someone still complains. Like, like this was, there was binary language and I'm like, were they complaining about me? Because I don't know if that was like, I because know, also I mentioned so. non-binary people in my acts. Like, uh, and, and then Charlie, I remember, was like, I, yeah, like, I don't know what to make of that. And, you know, and it's one of those things, like, I completely understand that not everybody is going to be completely on board with everything that's said uh, Mike, but it's also, you know, like, if you're not comfortable there, then, you know, maybe going to an open mic isn't for you. I don't know. That's, 
Because if um, you're going to go to an open mic, honestly, you can't get more accepting and welcoming than Shameless. Exactly. And, and the St. Louis comedy scene as a whole, you know, whether you're in a, um, like, mostly LGBT crowd or not, is just is so accepting. Like, I, you know, occasionally you might hear someone say something that's like, oh, well, cringeworthy, but I mean, it's, you know, that's, that's going to happen anywhere in comedy. And then for, you know, this person was apparently so offended. I was just like, this place is horrible. And they use binary language. And I was just like, and I was the one that, you know, like I messaged them a very diplomatic message that like apologized, but at the same time defended the show and was like, look, we're trying to make us, you know, a safe environment for um for the queer community and you know like nothing's more important to us and really nothing's more important to us than for people you know whether they're you know like gay bi lesbian trans non-binary whatever you know whatever your form of degeneracy is like you are safe at the queer comedy mic and as well as you know our uh cis and straight allies um and uh or straight allies i think i was told at one point that saying cis allies isn't always is sometimes frowned upon like this is a bad thing like no it's not like it's just it's just a different I, I people like that um anyway but um i also have heard you know like some people want the queer comedy mic to be like uh queer exclusive and that is also something I'm very opposed to because I, of course, want our straight allies to get involved because, you know, one, um, you know, like we need to break, um, because, well, one, um, so many, there's never an issue with like our, you know, with, with, with allies showing up to the queer comedy mic. They show up and, you know, we have like maybe three, three or four people on the list and because they want to be there they think nothing you know that they're in a room filled with you know lgbtqia uh people and secondly it's important to bridge that gap you know like we want to stay integrated i think you know like uh people kind of like sticking to their own doesn't really help anything and you know, that's why I want to see is, you know, unity. And I think that's what, you know, Charlie and I are really striving for with uh, the queer comedy mic. But this person's comments were, you know, like their feelings are valid. They totally are. I get it. Maybe this isn't the place for you. And that's totally fine. I'm not going to say like, well, don't come back or, you know, like we don't want you anyway. We would love for this person to come back um, I just hope that if they come back, they, you know, maybe understand that, you know, this is kind of the nature of the beast. You know, you might hear some things that you don't agree with, but that's not necessarily a bad thing, as long as it's not, you know, hate speech. And I don't think anything there was considered, could be considered hate speech. Um, I mean, uh, so I think a big part of it is one of their comments was about how somebody had made a joke about pregnancy and I forget who it was, but they, 
they said it was something along the lines of, well, this was aimed specifically at, you know, cis pregnancy and you know that other people of other uh, gender identities can also birth children and you didn't include that in your joke. And while I get where they're coming from on that, I, yeah, I, get, I, I get it. But it's one of those things where if you're trying to build towards a punchline, you don't need a giant asterisk in every joke to accommodate everyone else who might have been applied to. Right. Exactly. And um, I think what um, Charlie said to me, um, we were talking about that line, like, you know, like they assume that all pregnant people are women. And <laughs> Charlie, who is, you know, like is non-binary, but is taking testosterone, they said, you know, like, um, yeah, that's like the a tiny percent of trans men who actually get pregnant. It's not that, it's not that many because you know it's it's like the the mentality of like using the term menstruators, and and I don't get that. I just I don't like, and and I'm just like, ew, that just sounds gross. Like I'm sorry, I don't care how woke that's supposed to be. <laughs> I'm sorry, that just sounds so bizarre to say, like, oh, he or she is a menstruator. It's like, wow. I feel like that, just, that there's just such a patriarchal, like, edge to that that I just don't feel comfortable saying that. And I feel it's so odd that that's supposed to be the woke terminology um, to describe someone who can, you know, like, have a menstrual cycle. I'm just... I don't know. That's there. There are just some things I think that can be taken too far, and I just want to say, just relax. We all want the same thing. We're not. Let's stop. You know, like as long as we're not working against each other, let's you know, maybe put the brakes on some of these things. You know, we're we're working towards the same goal, but you know, you can't control what people are gonna you know post on social media. And that person, you know, was well within their rights posting that because freedom of speech. Right. But at the same time, it was a little bit, you know, like, I, I won't say infuriating, but I think, like, just me and Char Charlie and I's reaction was like, really? Like, that's okay, I, I, I guess, like but we'll do our best to make sure that we update the like content warning, but okay. Like that we were just kind of like baffled because so many people clearly enjoy the show. And so many, we've had such an amazing turnout for so many of the shows. And then this happened, we were just kind of like thrown for a loop. I, I will say one thing that really upsets me about this whole thing is that right before the next queer comedy that was going to take place, I wrote a killer joke that I was really proud of that I was going to use to introduce myself. And not only is it really uh, dated now, but I can't use it. Oh, I was do, you want, I, do you want to tell it now? <laughs> I, I do actually. I want to get it out there because I wrote this like two months ago before this whole outbreak thing happened. And, uh, I wanted to go in and be like, hey, you know, I'm really happy to be here tonight. Love being at Shameless. Uh, however, you know, this is my second choice for tonight. Uh, I was going to go to a daddy-daughter dance, but apparently just having somebody call you daddy is not qualifications enough. 
<laughs> nice, nice. But, but that's right, awesome. Right after I wrote that, because one of my coworkers was talking about having a daddy daughter dance at the Y. Right after I wrote that, that whole thing with St. Louis and the daddy daughter dance, the dude that broke quarantine and fucked everything right. up. I'm like, well, fuck, whatever. <laughs> I mean, that would have been so topical. I think that would have been amazing if you said it then. It was just been like, ooh, nice. Like, I, I, I was they went it there. Off. They went there. That's. I, I was gonna play it off and say like, oh, well, I wrote this two weeks ago, so I'm not saying I'm a prophet, but maybe, uh, maybe I tell some jokes about everyone here getting laid and Trump catching Corona, and we'll just see how things go. Oh man, that'd be great. And then he can like inject himself with uh, Tide Pods and Lysol. So I, I, I know. I am really hoping that the generation, the, the, the group that is constantly telling the millennial joke of everyone eating Tide Pods goes and injects themselves a few of them just so that millennials can be like, ah, you too? <laughs> I think the best thing that I've heard so far on this was um, from uh, Doug Morris. He's another comedian on the scene. He posted on Facebook, actually just today, uh, like, Medicare for all equals socialism. Drinking bleach equals not socialism. <laughs> it's great. And I think I posted on that, like, when I get really depressed, I have non-socialist thoughts. And... That was like my response to that. Like, and I said, like, hashtag funny to me. Like, it's, uh, I, I just think this is gonna open doors for a lot of people. <laughs> the whole Lysol and how to cure, how to cure. The fact quote, that Lysol um, has to go out of their way to tweet that, hey, our products are not meant for ingestion. <laughs> Right, like, I mean, Lysol even said, like, please don't inject yourself with our products. Like, <laughs> we are begging you. We don't want a lawsuit. Like, we don't want to be the new Tide. Exactly. It's like, well, don't sue Lysol. Sue, you know, like, sue the dumbasses who are telling you to uh, inject yourself with these, you know, products that were not meant to be in the human bloodstream. So we've, we've touched on some uh, few serious topics, and I think it's time to you know get to a little lighter note. I did have some yes. not-so-serious questions for you that, okay. uh, honestly, you've been kind of steering this conversation, hitting uh, all my key points that I had set up. I'm sorry. I no, hey, it's perfectly fine. You, no, you're good. It, it, that, the conversation went where I wanted it to anyway. But uh, so just a few quick, you know, less serious questions. Okay. So, favorite cartoon, past or present? Oh, definitely Archer, present. I rewatch Archer like over and over again. I love the banter. Um, I think just some of the the dialogue is just so quick and witty. Um, like it is very raunchy, but even beyond the raunch, just like some of the wordplay is just so on point. Like something as simple as um, like, I think the gay agent saying, like, should you be smoking here? Should you be flaming in here? You know, it's just, like, really, it's just so quick and witty, and I love it. And, um, when you got Aisha Tyler and A. Sean Benjamin and Jessica Walters in your show, you, you can't go wrong. I mean, and Aisha Tyler is 
just the gift that keeps on giving, like everything that woman does, like I want to be a part of. Um, and she is just so, I, I, I definitely think that I'm, kind of like a mix of her character and Jessica Walter's character. Like they just have that like savage wit and like some of the stuff that Aisha Tyler says in the show, Lana Kane says is like stuff I would say like, why are you running in the, like Lana, why are you running in the sound of the explosion? Ah, uh, cause I'm not a giant pussy. Like that she just like, without missing a beat will just like make her male cohorts seem so small. And I just love that about her. So I do love the way of the win. show and a lot of the self-referential humor. I think, I think one of my favorite episodes is when like Archer, I believe has like amnesia and they start the episode off as if it was an episode of Bob's Burgers. Yes. Archer it's so good. I love that. That's great. And then they even got, you know, like the cast of, I don't think any of the kids had any lines, but John Roberts uh, reprised his role as Linda. And that was really fun to watch. I absolutely adore Bob's Burgers. Like Linda, and I'm definitely a Linda Louise hybrid in that show. That's my second favorite uh, cartoon. Very strong. Bob's Burgers up there for me. If I had to pick any, though, I'd, I'd probably go Gravity Falls. Oh, yeah. I gotta love Gravity Falls. I mean, it's been a while. Uh, but I... Grunkle Stan is my spirit animal. <laughs> nice. Nice. Oh, my God. That's great. Oh, man. It's such a good show. So, uh, on the vein of cartoons, out of the Disney villains, which one would make the best and which one make the worst lover? Such a good question. Man, I... Totally, totally judging your answers, too, by the way. Oh, you, you absolutely should. This, <laughs> these, these are the questions that form a generation, um, that decide a generation um let's see we'll start with worst lover and i think that would be radigan um Ooh. just because he is so bitter i mean clearly and i'm totally quoting uh my favorite youtuber Lindsay ellis when i'm like yeah he and uh basil baker street are totally bitter exes and they uh, totally Radigan, are. Oh my god. And Radigan is such a bitter bitch. I'm sorry. Like he is such a bitter little bitch. Like the way he's just like Basil. And I'm just like, oh God, like put yourself out. And that's like <laughs> oh, like he's just so bitter and I hate him. Uh but I love that movie so much. And if I kind of wish Basil were a human so I didn't feel so weird about being so, like, attracted to his cockiness. <laughs> like, oh, he's a mouse. Okay. I didn't say that. Don't judge me on that. No, no judgment here. You know, you... Oh, you girl. said you were judging my answers. Okay, best lover? Man. God, that's... That is a really difficult one. I'm I'm gonna have to go with um give me a moment, give me a moment. I'm thinking I'm gonna have to go with Hades from Hercules. Hades, okay. He just he just seems like, you know, I mean he's a god, so I feel like he knows what he's doing in the sack, and then he's also like the funniest of the Disney villains and no, this does not mean that I would have sex with James Woods. No, Absolutely please not. No. 
No, only if he looks like Hades. That's I mean, the only thing. Uh, but that's the thing. It's like, I love Hades as a Disney villain, but it's, you just always got to remember, like, yeah, James Woods voices him, and he's, like, seriously a horrible person. <laughs> it's so but disappointing. Also, but at the same time, his personality in the movie, I'm just like, oh, that is such a turn-on. He's so, like... He is just so like quick and witty and cocky, and I just love um, yeah, just so many of his lines. Like, but he would never hurt me. He's a guy, and I'm like, thank you. <laughs> well, I'm just happy to know that you know, for every James Woods out there, we have a Danny DeVito. You know, and it's, it's like cosmic <laughs> forces that balance each other out. Oh, I love Danny DeVito and everything. And he was also in Hercules. Exactly. Didn't really like his character, though. Uh, unfortunately, Phil was not a great character. Um, oh, man. That movie is such a mixed bag for me. But I, I do love Hades in that movie. Um, even though he makes no sense from a mythological standpoint. So but I'm not getting into that. All right. Next question. Okay. I, I, got, I got one or two more. Okay, cool. Golden Girl, free for all, fight to the death. Who wins? Oh, <laughs> Betty White, hands down. I mean, that is Betty, that is a good answer. I mean, come on, it's it's a very cliche answer, but I mean, Betty White, she had a giant crocodile in Lake Placid. I have a feeling she fed all the other Golden Girls to that crocodile. That's like how she would take him out. I mean, I, I would accept I would accept B. Arthur or I'd accept Betty White. B. Arthur is just a badass. Oh uh, yeah, she is. Deadpool literally named his katanas after B. Arthur. And uh Betty White, you know, literally has the staying power. She's still here. She's the last one. She won already. Yep, exactly. Exactly. And I just love like, you know, and I I'm sorry, I, I'm knocking down the train of like, are we over Betty White? And I'm like, no, no, we are never over Betty White. I'm sorry, she is the gift that keeps on giving and will continue to do so for the next 317 years because that's how much longer she has to live. You know, and, the, the, the week, the day that Tim Curry or Betty White leave this world, I'm taking a week off work just to mourn. I, I agree. Oh, Tim Curry, that's another... One. Oh, was he ever a Disney villain? No, he was a villain in Fernville. Uh, he was Hexes. He was. he was a villain in a Disney movie. He was a villain in Muppet Treasure Island, which is a Disney movie. Oh, that's right. That's right. Oh my God, I forgot about that. He was watching. He's got a singing part. Oh man, I almost want to change my answer now to Best Lover as um, Tim Curry as Long John Silver in you know, the best, second best Muppet, maybe the best is Muppet Christmas Carol, hands down. Like, I, but it's so good, and I love a Christmas Carol. Uh, like, the George C. Scott Christmas Carols, why I watch, like, every Christmas, and it's so perfect, but then I also have to watch the Muppet one, because it's so cute, and Tiny Tim is a tiny frog. Um, and, um, but he was also a villain, Tim Curry was also a villain in Fern Gully, and he was Hexus, and he sang a song called Toxic Love, and it's yeah. so goddamn, like, 
saucy. I love it. He's like, that's a good. And I'm just like, oh my God. That's, this movie is so ridiculous. You got um, uh, Robin Williams rapping as a bat that- and then toxic love and this really like molesty like I don't know what is like lizard creature that's like gonna eat like the blonde Adonis like male lead and it's it's so creepy and I'm just like what the I loved that movie as a kid I rewatched it recently and the whole time I'm just like what the fuck is this I actually loved this as a kid okay I'm done next do you have another question uh yeah I I'm gonna end on a more serious question um so there's always that line the uh the line when you're telling jokes that you try not to cross Uh, a lot of it kind of comes with reading an audience but is there any kind of jokes that you deem uh, off limits or you know kind of out of bounds like topics etc um i think um at least for me if it's not my personal experience then I won't touch that topic. Um, like I try not to touch topics about like, like race, for instance, that's not my, you know, uh, that's not my experience. I don't think that would be appropriate for me to uh, comment. Like I might comment on, you know, the absurdity of like, you know, white people to try act super woke, but um, you know, from my standpoint as a white person, but like race is not something that, I think is appropriate for, you know, me to comment on because I don't know that experience. That's, you know, it's just like a lot of people were mad about like Chappelle talking about um, like trans people. And while I wasn't as infuriated as everybody else, I wasn't even infuriated. I thought like, well, maybe that isn't like a topic that he should have been like talking about I mean that's not his experience like I I would feel like if it's not your experience exercise caution at least but for me like that's a topic I really won't touch because it's just not my experience and I don't want to end up like accidentally offending anyone um you know like by you know saying the wrong uh the wrong thing even though like I might go in with like good intentions of trying to be satirical. I just, I don't. And um, I also think the same thing for like, um, um, I, I really just think for any, um, at least for me, if it's not my life experience, I'm not gonna make a joke about it. That's, that's sort of the line that I won't uh, cross. I kind of stick to what my experiences are because that's, you know, that's what I have knowledge about. I, I'm not going to try and, you know, make a joke out of someone else's life experience. I think, you know, that's where they come in and joke about their experience and tell us and teach us about uh, what they've been through, you know, whether it's about, you know, gender or race or religion, any, anything like that. I, I have a looser definition of what i won't joke about but i'll i will touch on almost anything under specific circumstance i think i i my favorite kind of humor is the absurd like just the really really absurd um 
Like, and, and I think under certain, you know, circumstances, certain things can be joked about. Like, uh, so one of I used to host a podcast uh, with one of my best friends, Alex Kelly, who is black. And my other best friend, Alex uh, Princeton, is white. So we're all at a party and, you know, everyone's introducing themselves and then we're all lined up. And white Alex shakes hands like, hey, I'm Alex. And then Alex Kelly's like, I'm black Alex. And then right after him, I'm like, I'm black Alex. And he just, he, without having met me, just looks at me like, what the fuck? And then we became best friends. <laughs> I mean, and and see that, I, I can see it's just being more like, you know, like tongue in cheek, like almost like, you know, almost like cutesy. It's like teehee, like I, and so there are like vague statements I might make fun of or I might comment on like, um, I have one joke that I used like way early on um, that was about race, but it was very, uh, about race, but it was very vague. And it was like, you know, we all have that family member or friend who, you know, will always um, say, think that they're not racist and then be really surprised when you tell them that it's racist to say, uh, like, oh, this really nice black family moved in next to me. And I just want to say, why'd you have to tell me the family was nice? Like, and it's more <laughs> like, and it's more like teehee, like, I see what you did there. It's, you know, but when it comes to like more specific statements about like, if, you know, when it comes to like writing satirical jokes about like police brutality or, you know, like uh, systematic racism, I'm like, ah, that's, that's not my experience. I will have a discussion with someone obviously, but me trying to write, like, a satirical joke about that from the standpoint of a white woman just does not seem appropriate. So, um, or, like, I made another vague statement in one of my jokes about, like, when people show me unequivocal support, like, you know, like, if you identify as a goat, that's fine with me, and then I say, like, you know, like, that's, like, the same as saying, like, I'm not racist if you're white, black, or purple, like, no one's purple and no one is a goat, like, that's, you know, that's a, a vague statement. And it's like, yeah, because I, I hate when people say that if you're white, black, or purple. I'm like, stop. Like, that's so absurd. Like, that's, like, I, and, you know, that, that just shows that someone is, uh, like, concealing some uh, problematic feelings, probably. And, um, but that's, you know, generally... That's that's a topic I won't touch on because it's not my experience, and I I don't think it's appropriate for me to try and um, make jokes about an experience um, that's not my own. It's just like I'm not gonna you know get mad at a cis person for making jokes about trans people, but I might say like exercise caution. Like if you're gonna make vague statements, that's fine, but. I would just be like cautious because I'm, I would say I'm pretty laid back. Like I'm not going to get offended and be like, how dare they? Like, you know, I, I know some people in my position can get very reactionary and you know, that's, I, I totally get where they're coming from, but I just want people to be careful and understand that, you know, just because it's a popular thing to talk about, doesn't mean that may, that necessarily you should be talking about it. Like, you know, like topics about like race are a popular talking point, but 
you know, it's not great when necessarily a white comedian talks about it, but like when Dave Chappelle talks about it because of his experience, that's, he brings, uh, you know, he brings his personal experience and he teaches people and makes them laugh. And that's, you know, why I think people should be, you know, more respectful about and just a little more cautious about. But that's just me personally. I'm not, you know, policing people's comedy. I'm just, that's just a rule I set for myself. I'm like, keep it to what my personal experience is. I don't want to, like, accidentally cross lines or unintentionally cross lines or unintentionally say something that may have been well-intentioned but is taken, like, whoa, like... No, and I think that's fair. Uh, I think that the punch of a joke and how funny it is uh, is so better when it comes from somebody's personal experience uh, because they they sell it so so much better, in my opinion. Right, exactly. And, you know, that's that's basically basically my point. It's, you know, and I think that's the great thing about comedy. It's, you know, it's it's a different form of storytelling, uh, you know, which is you know, why I got into performance in the first place. And it's a very personal kind of storytelling. I think it's comedy is at its best when it's your personal stories and you're trying to make light of personal struggles that you've been through. Whether it's about your um, social um, or your social identity or just, um, you know, you, like, you know, your deepest, darkest, like, secrets or thoughts or, you know, fears, anxieties, hopes, and dreams, that's what makes comedy great. And I think it, it is at its best when it's about your personal experiences. Um, yeah, that's pretty much all I got. <laughs> well, um, I do like to end my episodes here by giving uh, my comics a come on a chance to, you know, share a joke or a bit that they're really proud of, like some of their favorite stuff. Um, and then, you know, may plug where people can find them. Uh, do you have any okay. uh, bit or, you know, joke that you're, that's one of your favorites? Um, let's see. I do, but it's a longer joke and we're, we're, we probably need a shorter joke, right? No, you're fine. You, you, okay. you, you okay. this uh, is your time. Okay, well, that's what my shrink always says. Thank you. Uh, I'm, char- I'm charging you by the hour, by the way. Wait, I'm not getting paid for this? <laughs> uh, anyway, you know, Venmo, we need... Whatever, it's fine. Um, anyway. Um, okay, so my favorite joke uh, that I've written, and it's still... I still add to it as time goes on. So this is definitely not its final form. So not even its final form. Uh, <laughs> anyway, a lot of people ask me um, if I have like a kinkiest fantasy as a trans woman. Like what is your kinkiest fantasy as a trans woman? And I think, and I always say like, well, there is one that's swirling around up there continually. You guys want to hear it? And um, usually, you know, like, and I'm like, okay. So, um, my deepest, darkest, kinkiest, filthiest, sluttiest fantasy is that I come into ten thousand dollars, and then I get the gender reassignment surgery, or as we like to call it, 
the sense change operation, which I can say, get your own word. Um, and then I meet someone, I meet a guy, um, and he and I start to get drinks or coffee, and then we start to, like, do intercourse with each other, and we do that, like, over and over again until there's like feelings involved and then he's like we should move in with each other we're cool with each other we do like sex things to each other and then I'm like yeah we should move in together and we should have like petty fights about decorating like okay babe I think a Rammerstein poster above your bed may have been cool in college but don't stifle my career of expression babe and then we take those fights to Ikea and we walk through Ikea and glare at each other so we can fit in with all the other glaring couples at Ikea and then we do that about 10 or 15 more times until he finally proposes and asks me to be his wife and then we have a themed wedding the theme is wedding and and we get happily married and i know what you're thinking like oh my god bitch nasty yes i am and this is just gonna get weirder so buckle up folks we then adopt a couple of kids and we raise them to be productive members of society we raise them in a loving supportive home and this is why we should not be allowed in your bathrooms because we are just that dangerous. That's um, my very long, but you know, I, I, I'm kind of proud of that joke. It usually gets really a uh, pretty good reaction. Um, it's it's got know, a really good clip to it. Like uh, there's, there's not really any kind of downtime. You're, you're just like kind of hitting point after point, joke after joke. It was, it's, it's solid. I, well, and I think that's a weakness of mine as a comic. Like, I need to slow down. That's something I've been told. Like, like you are very fast. Like, you need to slow down. I'm like, I know. And it's hard for me to do because I get so into it. And I'm just like, you know, I get so frenetic and blah. But, I mean, I can't um, speak to your other jokes. I I, I don't know. But in, as far as that one goes, the the frantic pace of it is is part of it it's that's that's great for him oh well thank you thank you so much i yeah i i mean i think that's a fun one to do because i think there's a very negative like um there, there's a negative um not i don't know if i would say stereotype but there's this assumption that like trans women or just trans people in general um are you know really just you know kinky like fetish um you know like fetish trips basically and like no some of us like actually want like you know marriage and a family and like you're engaged i want to be married and have kids i want to be a mom and you know and then i'm trying to write like a joke about like the bitter reality that i can never like have my own kids even after the surgery and because that's something that some people are like, wait, what? Like, you actually wanted to, like, perp? And I'm like, I wanted to, like, carry my own? Yes. Like, then that's a hard one to write about because that's a very difficult reality to deal with. But it's like what you said, we like to draw from difficult stuff. But I think that joke, um, you know, kind of illustrates that, you know, we're just trying to live. Like, we're, you know, like not necessarily here to be someone's fetish we're you know here to you know actually live a life 
you know, that has stability to it. So, um, no, you, anyway. You joke about it, but uh, seriously, one of the great tests for any kind of relationship is fucking putting together furniture together. Sweet Jesus, there is nothing that makes me go from like one to a hundred quicker than following furniture instructions. <laughs> like, I, I don't care if you put a little stick figure dude telling me how to do it. At some point in time, something's going to get backwards. We're going to be missing parts. It's, it's just always a mess. <laughs> nice. I, yeah, I'm not looking forward to that experience um, where it's I'm magical. like, moving into my house with my husband and like trying to put everything together and I'm probably going to be losing my shit with him because he doesn't listen to me because you know men don't listen uh you know that's why I changed because I was too smart for that noise um and but uh anyway um no I'm I'm definitely not looking forward to that experience so hopefully I'll be able to just like call my brother or something be like, can you like work with my husband on this while I just go and, you know, smoke weed in the backyard or something. So yay. <laughs> we'll see. Okay. Well, um, let's go ahead and end on this. Uh, is there anywhere, uh, you said that, uh, you do, you mainly do Facebook and, uh, you said it was Instagram, but, uh, mm -hmm. after this Corona apocalypse ends and everything gets a little bit normal, where can people find you? Uh, um, I, do, I, I, I don't need specifics, you know. I don't need your address or anything. We don't need any creepers following. No, you. Well, no, comedy no. Than find you. No, no, people stay away from my apartments. Like, I, I'm kind of an introvert for the most part. Um, no, I do uh, open mics um, around St. Louis. Uh, I obviously run my show at um, um, Shameless Grounds. <laughs> I forgot for a moment. Uh, the Queer Comedy Mike. Um, I love performing at uh, the Heavy Anchor. Um, there's Apotheosis um, um, Comics and uh, the Crow's Nest, uh, the Improv Shop. Let's see, uh, Helium. Um, I haven't done that open mic in a long time, uh, you know, uh, Corona Apocalypse notwithstanding. <laughs> and, uh, but I need to get back to that one. That's a great one. And um, Let's see. And then I have a few shows that I've um, put on YouTube. And uh, my uh, YouTube channel is just Danny Lydia. That's Danny with the IE at the end. Um, and Lydia's, you know, well, I hope you know how to spell Lydia. It's L Y D I A. Fine, if you didn't know how to spell it. And, and yeah, I'm on Facebook and Instagram. No Twitter, because I don't need that in my life. <laughs> Eh, you don't need to, you know, you know, limit yourself to 240 characters or whatever. Exactly. Uh, did I do that on this interview? No, I talk way too much. That's <laughs> eh, just enough for this. So I, I said it's just enough for this. Right. So, uh, yeah, I want to thank you for coming on. It's been a great thank conversation. So. This is definitely thank one of my favorites. Thanks so for having me. This was so much fun. All right. Well, I'll go ahead and put your social media at the uh, along with this uh, episode, so people can find you. But uh, okay. again, thank you very much, and uh, thank you. Yeah. Stay safe and healthy, everyone. <laughs> Oof.